Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joe. I'm Pete. And I'm Kayla. Well, we are recording from Jacksonville. It's uh, about like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just saw the Jay and Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow and the Q&A afterwards. And uh, for Kayla and I, this was our second time seeing Kevin live. For Pete, this was his first. My number one. And you were all present for it. You were. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Pete? A little confused, wondering if Kevin Smith will call me in the morning. <laughs> I want to know if he does. He won't. He won't. He's fickle. <laughs> I know it. I can just sense it. It's guys with facial hair. They're not good. Um, oh, shit. Says one of the two bearded men in the room. <laughs> right. I stand by my statement. <laughs> well, this is Joe and I is also our second time seeing uh, the actual movie. Yep. And it was your first? My first time seeing Jay and Silent Bob, the reboot. <laughs> not to be mistaken for a remake. Or a sequel. Or a sequel. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. So, um, Kevin's, there's just so much to unpack. The The movie was awesome. Uh, I think Kayla and I mentioned that when we saw it back in October. Yes, it was very hard not to spoiler it back then. Um, but I think what I find most intriguing is this barnstorming roadshow thing that he has chosen to do with this film. This, I'll say, is the first time that I have heard of somebody doing such a direct marketing campaign on a movie. Um, and it, I mean, I have certainly heard about groups getting together i mean obviously rocky horror picture shows had done a similar type of thing for a long time um you know but that's such a grassroots fan based um fan based thing uh likewise I, i've gone to a group public screening of uh serenity um in the past that was a lot of fun but i have never gone to one where the direct writer uh, director creator was there like for the whole thing like here we go we're all gonna watch this together so, um, a little history with, with, with Kevin Smith on doing this. Back when he made Red State, um, he took it to Sundance, screened it. It did exceptionally well. And then, um, normally at Sundance, when a film does well, there's like the next day or whatever, there's an auction. And he went to go to the auction for it and said, you know what? I'm not going to sell it to any of you. I'm going to take it out on my own. I'm going to distribute it. I'm, you know, I'm taking over control of my art. Um, and when he did Red State, he toured it around, did a very similar thing. Um, he did similar with, with uh, Tusk and with um, with Yoga Hosers. And, and for what he, what he explained tonight was he makes movies at a lower rate, lower budget. And then... The marketing budget you'd have to t you have to do to to promote a movie 
on a thousand screens or more gets, you know, gets expensive. And then the amount of money that your movie has to make to break even gets even worse. I a lot of the the numbers game that he talked about tonight, I have kind of heard a little bit here and there in the past in Hollywood on how much it costs not just to produce a movie, but then to market a movie, which often the marketing cost is at least if not more than equal to the production cost. Um, But to hear the actual creator uh, come out and be so directly open, these were the numbers it cost to make this. This is the numbers that it cost to make that. And then on top of it, to market it for X number of screens, it would have cost this. And this is the cut that these people get. This is the cut. that It was very open uh, in a way that, that people don't really do um, in any industry. The people who know where the money is and where the money's going, like you don't really talk about it. Um, we all understand that every business has to have a markup. That's the nature of business. But you know, people don't talk about what their percentage is, and and we don't. We're uncomfortable even talking about our salary rates to each other. So to hear this kind of openness was really refreshing. It was really nice. It was a a master course in the craft. Oh, absolutely, and. Um... One of the things back when he made Zach and Mary make a porno, um, he commented on, I think it was his mother called him and she's like, oh, I saw I saw a, a commercial for your movie on Lifetime. And he's like, huh, why? Why are you advertising? <laughs> There's a lot of questions that go. Why are with you that? advertising yeah. a movie I made called Zach and Mary make a porno? Although I think for advertising purposes, it was just called Zach and Mary. Mm hmm. Really, on Lifetime? Lifetime cut out the porno part? That's weird. Well, I think, I think in ge- <laughs> for general marketing of the movie, um, I know I was living in New York at the time when the movie came out, and there was a kerfuffle over um, they wanted to do bus, uh, bus, bus shelter ads. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a little bit of fight with New York Transit about putting the full name of the movie on the bus ads. Like somehow there are, is somebody in New York who doesn't know what a porno is? Were those buses not going through Times Square well, or yeah. New York? <laughs> well, you, well, you know, this is a post-Giuliani New York, mm. so a lot of that stuff is out of Times Square, having previously worked in Times Square. Maybe I'm I'm being closed-minded and bigoted because I've never been to New York. That's possible. Um, you know, but, I like a stereotype. Yeah, I know. You like to base everything on what you saw in movies in the 80s. That's how it should be. <laughs> um, it's worked for me. It's how I grew up. It's how everybody should grow up. Um, but yeah, he, I, you know, after Zach and Miri, um, he definitely kind of saw the, how the current, I'm going to call it studio system because studio system usually refers to the, that contract system that existed in, in Hollywood from like the thirties through the sixties. Um, but this current system they have where you basically have to double the budget number to break even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like what we went to, what we were talking about last week you know, with, with superhero movies and stuff, it's, you know, you got a $90 million film. It's got to make like $180 million to break even. Um, That's why Marvel struggles. So really? (laughs) Well, Marvel doesn't struggle. So, but when you make an R rated, that's why Deadpool struggled. So, but Deadpool didn't pull in Avengers. uh, No, I know. I know. know. Um, Because you're not, you know, you, you can't do, you know, McDonald's tie-ins and you can't do, or Burger King tie-ins sure. or whatever. Um, and I don't think you're ever going to see a Kevin Smith movie tie-in with a burger franchise other than movies. That would be hysterical, though. 
<laughs> that would be just can you imagine going to mcdonald's getting a happy meal and you get a little silent bob with it i although i mean i'll say this i have trouble believing that if kevin feige went up to kevin smith and said hey so we would really like you to make and then he said daredevil I know Kevin is on record to saying he he wouldn't want to make a superhero movie because he doesn't know how to shoot action. But he has a personal attachment to Daredevil. He does have a personal he attachment does. to Daredevil. Um, I would imagine you could get Kevin to write the Daredevil script. Maybe. And then he would say, give this to a director who can shoot action. Although, in light of he has now done directed like several episodes of The Flash and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, although if you ever hear him talk about those shows, he's always says, you know, being a director on a on a on a network television show is, you know, like being the celebrity guest on Love Boat. You really don't have to do all that much because there is a well oiled machine. You're just it. plugging into yeah. one individual episode. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin Smith is also notorious for saying, you know, I, I don't think I would ever do that because I'm not good at that. And then realizing that he is good at it. You know, he shortchanges himself sometimes oh. and then figures out that, oh, he is really good at this and will, mm-hmm. you know, saunter forward into something, you know, even better. All of this being a very clear reason why he is one of our geek heroes, because I think this is such a relatable thing. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I know <laughs> I am definitely that person who's like, no, I mean, I don't, I will put something off at infinitum to, because I don't believe that I'm good at it. And then I'll do it and I'll be like, oh, that was really easy. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I think we all do that. Yeah. I think it's, you know, sometimes I think it's just, it's part of the creative process, mm-hmm. you know, as you, you go through that cycle of, can I do this? I don't know if I can do this. I've never done this before. Maybe I'm not going to do it because I'm not that good at it, but I've never done it, so I don't know if I'm good at it. And then you end up doing it, and it's like, wow, I really like doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most artists I know go through that process. Yeah, um, but I think there's also a point where he, you know, he knows the type of movies that he wants to make, likes to make, you know. Right. He likes to make movies where people talk to each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the thing is, I think that with him, he is happy and comfortable when he is keeping things simple, uh, when story is at the center of everything. It's not spectacle. It's all about story. He doesn't need a big budget. He's operating with exactly the film he wants to make, which is a limited number of sets. Uh, some friends, mostly. You know, he's casting from his pool mm-hmm. that, that he's worked with. Um, you know, I look at other actors, uh, directors writers and directors who've been the same way and then quentin tarantino went crazy when he got oh i'm sorry i mean in general some of them just then get bigger and they get crazy and (laughs) they don't do the same things that they were doing when they were younger and they lose their way and it could be anybody i could be talking about it's not necessarily anybody specific right Um, i I mean but even even going with the tarantino he he has a, a cadre of actors that he likes to work with you know i mean you've got you know, uh, famously Scorsese, where, you know, De Niro, Pacino, and Pesci, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if he can get those three actors, yeah. uh, you know, he, he'll he make a movie. And I guess now lately, like, if he can also rope uh, Leonardo DiCaprio into something, mm-hmm. um, which, hey, I mean, 
the guy has an Academy Award, so you know, and several nominations. About time. Right. <laughs> you know, he's he's got several nominations and Academy Award. Uh, I guess he's no schlub at this acting thing, you know. <laughs> well, there's there's a chemistry that's created between directors and actors. Having been on both sides of that myself, not in film but in theater, and when you come back to that again, you start instead of having to start from scratch, you start with that chemistry already established you know and it makes the work so much easier and so much more fun and flow Mm -hmm. so much more so i totally understand you know directors going back to actors that they know they click with oh sure absolutely i think really uh the point that i'm getting at is that uh, as these writer directors become more successful they look at it as here's my opportunity to have a much larger budget film and i think that's where they often get themselves tripped up um you know on the one hand i look at people like kevin smith who he knows where his comfortable zone is and it's great and it's why he makes good movies Mm. um it's why he makes movies that become so iconic um movies that we enjoy so much and relate to um and i think another good example is like wes anderson who yeah i mean sure there's the, the argument that Every Wes Anderson movie is the same movie. Um, But it's the zone that he's very comfortable Mm -hmm. in, and he does it very well. The strange family dynamic drama Mm -hmm. with Um, with hints of comedy. (laughs) With such deadpan from everybody. And again, this is another another creative who uses the same pool of talent every time because he knows he gets along well with Bill Murray and Edward Norton and and so on and so forth. And... Uh, you know, and then the Sith to this Jedi equation is then, again, you know, in my opinion, you've got somebody like Quentin Tarantino, who his first few films are some of my favorite movies of all time. I will watch Reservoir Dogs a bajillion times. Mm-hmm. I will watch Pulp Fiction over and over and over and over. Jackie Brown is not as good, but I really enjoy it. Um, you know, but then I, I mean, maybe unpopular opinion, I, I guess, depending on who you are and how you feel, but... I did not care for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It felt like, oh, well, let's watch Quentin Tarantino um, you know, bemoan how tough it is to, to be a 40-plus-year-old uh, white male in Hollywood. And it's like, really, bro? Come on. I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the newest. I haven't seen the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I, I think, you know, looking at, say, Tarantino, I think... But, but even... Subject matter wise, he he kind of goes far afield. You know, he's you know he you stretches st- himself out yeah. into a lot of genres. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the, the first couple of movies were you know were well, Pulp Fiction is just something that you know is still groundbreaking, you transcendent. Know, yeah, the you know it's it's multiple multiple stories with slight you know interconnected meta plot, um, but Reservoir Dogs is straight up. Like that old—I don't say old, but like that '70s gangster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say gangster because it's like that bank robbery movie. Yeah, you know, a heist movie. A heist movie, but it, I mean, maybe a heist movie is a bad way, but right. But it, it was like Dog Day Afternoon, and and you know those movies where it was like you want to know is why was the bank robber robbing the bank? It wasn't about catching the bank robber. It was like the psychology of why are you robbing the bank? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction, like I said, is, is one of those films where I, I think film students are going to be, you know, film film theorists are going to be studying it for a long time with yeah. the disjointed uh, timeline and everything. Uh, Jackie Brown was his take on black exploitation films of the 70s. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, I loved the Kill Bill movies, even though I saw them Kill Bill 2 and then Kill Bill 1. That's definitely weird. That's, yeah. Uh, what? I don't know how that works. <laughs> Uh, I, I somehow missed the first one and friends were going to see the second one. I was like, uh, is it important that I, and they're like, probably not. And I watched the second one. I was like, okay, this is a, this is like standalone as a revenge movie. I totally got it. But when I saw the first one, I was like, oh, now I even understand it more. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, that's like watching Titanic 2 before Titanic 1, like. How do you understand why the iceberg is in space if you didn't see the whole setup in Titanic 1? <laughs> That's like I read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books out of order and kind of all at the same time and was very confused. <laughs> I've watched them in order and was still a little confused. <laughs> Thanks, Douglas Adams. Yeah, well, you know. In the best of ways. Yes. We love him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some of the other films, I, like I said, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, but like I, I, we've talked about the hateful eight, we've talked yeah. about uh, yeah, eight-hour movie, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. I mean, which again, it's a, I I enjoyed both movies, although Hateful Eight definitely felt uh, slow, bloated. I think is the word I would use personally, uh, and and I like I really honestly I truly love when a filmmaker will take his time and linger on a shot, but you can't linger every single shot. It felt like pacing was a real issue with yeah. that. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, one I just realized, uh, Django Unchained. Django. Um, mm-hmm. That movie is, I, I will I will die on that hill going, that that is a movie that, it, instant classic when it came out. That's one of his better modern yeah. ones, I, I agree. Um, but anyway, but Kevin Smith. But Kevin Smith, so, I mean, you, you look at his, at, at, other than, you know, and I know he likes to take personal shots on himself for directing Cop Out, which he didn't write, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, had issues with the star, which uh, apparently, so so Kevin seems to be in uh, a, a post-heart attack reconciliation uh, movement. Um, he from, from what I was reading and hearing, you know, he, he made up with Ben, Affleck to get him into Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, he made up with Jeff Anderson. Spoiler alert? Question mark? Yeah, the movie's been out since October, so... Fair enough. Um, and both have talked about it in the press. Uh, he made up with Jeff Anderson so that they will be making a Clerks 3. Um, and, and from what I was listening, uh, he got a call from a certain New Jersey, son of New Jersey, harmonica love playing... Uh, lo- lover of of music that's interesting i I knew about the other two but i didn't know he and bruce that he and bruce are speaking oh yeah he and bruce are 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 back speaking and uh bruce had found some pictures uh from back in the day and was was i was definitely not making the connection because i was thinking i was going mentally down a list of actors and i'm like i don't know who you're talking about (laughs) the only other person i can think of from from new jersey is Tyrion lannister um is do you not remember the bruce willis bruno comes alive i think it was called or or bruno returns no his his music album in the 80s Oh, I like, okay, I'm aware that that was a thing that happened, yes. Yeah, and he did the Seagram's commercials, playing the harmonica. Right, yes. You're dating yourself, Joe. It's Bruce Willis from Jersey. Bruce Willis is from Jersey. Bruce Willis is from Jersey. I didn't know that. that That's is, a geek point. 
<laughs> that is why Kevin has was like a huge. That's why Kevin, like when he got the chance to do the the Die Hard movie that he was in, um, yeah, was was so into because Bruce is like you know uh, the the one of the the favorite sons of New Jersey. Hmm. When he said that tonight during the Q and A, I thought he was talking about Springsteen. He was talking about Springsteen. Oh, good. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Was, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God. Did I not understand anything that happened tonight? <laughs> um, so, circling back to the movie, uh, as, as Kevin Smith calls it, it is a reboot, remake, sequel while making fun of reboot, remakes, and sequels to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which at the time of its release seemed like it was the capstone to the Viewisk Universe movies. I mean, it does end with God herself closing the book <laughs> on Viewisk Universe. Uh, then, you know, of course, a few years later, we got Clerks 2, so... Psych! Yeah. <laughs> Joked ya. Um, and now he's talking about doing more stuff yep. within the universe. Yeah, he, he, he told us tonight, uh, not, not us directly. That's all I'd like us to directly. Think he, was, he was, he was talking directly to us. Um, he looked right at me when he said it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that he is going to be working on Mallrats 2 and on Clerks 3. Yay! Um, and I, I, I did like the idea of, in 15 years, coming back to Jay and Silent Bob to reboot, remake, so that they can fe- feature Jason Muse's daughter, Logan, in a, a starring role. Um, so, I guess, get a little bit into the movie, talking about the movie? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've let everybody know that this is, we're reviewing the movie, this is spoilers, we'll post it as spoilers. If you have not seen it or do not want to be spoiled, now is the time to go see the movie. Also 20 minutes ago when we started this. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is available uh, digital download and Blu-ray and whatever, so you can go see it. So so pause pause now, go watch it, come back, we'll be here. Pete, we'll wait. Pete, we'll be right here? Here comes the music. Okay. <laughs> do, 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 okay. Okay. <laughs> We're back. So, uh, the movie basically picks up, you know, 20 years after Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Um they are again, you know, near the quick stop, uh, having taken over what was the RST video yes. uh, and turned it into a a front of mm-hmm. sorts uh, mm-hmm. for a, a chicken shop called Cocksmokers. Cocksmokers. <laughs> um, but in reality, it was some sort of grow operation for the marijuana. The Mary it was the prequel to Kevin Smith's now store. <laughs> um, and, you know. The boys get busted. They get sent to court. Sent to court, where they are then uh, represented by Justin Long, high power Hollywood lawyer. Um, and 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 Justin Wa- Justin Long does both a wink and a nod to the Jay and Silent Bob Get Old opening song. Uh, when when Jay and Silent Bob come into the court with the Hey, it's Jay and Silent Bob. That, yep, that's straight off of the the opening of their podcast. Um, and he also does a nod to his character uh, from Zach and Mary Make a Porno, even though t- Kevin doesn't technically have the rights to the character to use. It was a subtle nod. Yeah. <laughs> like a two by four with a nail in it. Bricks. <laughs> uh, I also thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, it's not a shot, the homage to Law and Order. They basically yeah. went through the entire opening uh, yeah. description <laughs> of Law and Order. Uh 
the 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 Dick Wolf jokes. A lot of Dick Wolf jokes. Dick Wolf. <laughs> I almost yelled every time he said Dick Wolf, and I was like, mm, I'm gonna be the only one who finds that funny. Um, yeah, and I'm sure the people around us in the theater were not going to be happy with that. It was not enough of a Rocky Horror kind of experience for that. Huh? No. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was going to be starting this this trend of yelling "ow" every time, uh, making a wolf howl every time. Someone says "Dick Wolf." Dick Wolf is mentioned. Maybe you will start that trend. Uh, I would um, like to. I guess how many how many programs and movies do does, does Dick Wolf come up in? Have you seen a police procedural? Then well, yes. I mean, other than the ends of any of the forty seven Law and Order. I mean, every time it ends, I yell out "Dick Wolf." Oh. <laughs> So, okay. so the basic premise starts in the courtroom where yeah. Jay and Silent Bob are finagled out of the rights to their own names. Yeah. They they are they are tricked to sign away that they that Saban or Saban, uh, Saban Films uh, owns their names. Uh, just uh, one of the other touch on the courtroom scene. You have uh, Keith Robinson, Craig Robinson, Craig Robinson, Craig Robinson, yeah. Craig Robinson, Craig Robinson. Yeah. Um, as the judge mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Magniello as the uh, D&D celebrity, I like to call him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might go, oh, Al Seed from uh, True Blood. I like to refer to him as DC's Deathstroke. That is a good one as well. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good one. Archon the Cruel. <laughs> nice. That's a that's a geek point for you, Kayla. <laughs> Thanks. Um, him as the, the, the bailiff was, uh, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh... So yeah, they're finagled all their names. Uh, they they return to a mall, a dying mall, uh, to talk to uh, Brody, mm-hmm. a character from Mall Rats, who also in the original Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, they go to when they, you know, they, they go and talk with them and they find out that a comic book is being, uh, or a comic book movie is being made about them, um, and then Brody breaks the fact, breaks them. Again, because this was, the original was shot in two thousand one, that because of the success of X Men, all the studios are buying up uh, comic book properties, and at the time they said uh, the Blunt Man and Comic comic book was being uh, purchased by uh, Miramax, um, and they were like, "Well, I thought they made I thought they made uh, you know good movies." Yeah. Well, I I was really proud of of them for not mentioning uh, Harvey Weinstein even once. Um. You know, uh, when when the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out uh, on one of Kevin's podcasts, he addressed it um, because he he had, you know, in his life, he felt Harvey had been kind of a mentor and like getting him into into the industry, into Hollywood. And Kevin was like, you know, he he totally because he wasn't in Hollywood like that much, you know, he was unaware of it. Um, but he felt dirty, and so he made a pledge to donate all of his royalties from his Miramax films to um, different, uh, like rape and and women's charities. Wow, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's a geek point. That, yeah, that is a geek point, and and a shout out to you, to an amazing Kevin Smith. Yeah, he. I mean, he was in tears uh, when he. I think it was on a Hollywood Babble. He was talking about it, and. He was really overcome, and, and Ralph Garman had to kind of keep bringing him back, like, hey, you know, you didn't do any of the stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. You know, you, that's not who you are. You know, you can't be held responsible for him. But in a way, Kevin felt, mm-hmm. or, you know, some responsibility. So he, 
you know, he came up with a decision. He, he talked with his wife and he was like, how can, what can I do to make good? Yeah. And, you know, uh, as far as I know, that's, that's what he has done. So. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, there, there was, uh, this, this movie, there was definitely no talk about Miramax at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, He'll go to a lot of lengths for jokes, but Kevin has his limits mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to that stuff. A lot yeah. of respect for that. Yeah. I mean, the, the man did find, did help co-found the Wayne Foundation, which, uh, their goal is to help, uh, folks, young people, especially young women, especially who find themselves, uh, you know, victims of sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, that's a, that's a thing he's been involved with for years. So, um, but yeah, he'll, there, there are point there are limits to what he will do for humor. Um, so they find out about the reboot. They find out about what a reboot is and what a remake is and what a sequel is. That was explained at length. Yes. <laughs> for those who don't know. Um, Entertained and educated. Yeah. It's a twofer. Edutainment. Um, and then he, you know, then they, they set off as they did once before to go to Hollywood to break up a movie. But along the way, <laughs> hilarity ensues. Well, I mean, much like and and strikes back when they go to get on a bus and then find out that you have to pay for a bus that, you know, no, just because the school bus is free, not all buses are free. Uh and then in this one, they find out that because of their previous association with the, uh, with Clit, um, the, what was, what, what did Clit stand for? I, okay. So it's worth noting at this juncture that, uh, when we were talking before the film started this evening, I had to concede that while I technically have seen Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Um, The point at which I watched it, somehow I was roped into a drinking contest that involved drinking on the word fuck. This was a mistake and an invitation for alcohol poisoning. (laughs) We're glad you're still alive. Any reasonable person would be like, no, I'm not going to play that game. I am not a reasonable person, nor was I a reasonable person in the early aughts. Um, so I was there and I watched it, but I definitely was blackout drunk Jesus. and um, don't remember most of that movie. So, so in in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clit is the Coalition for the Liberation of Itinerant Tree Dwellers. Oh, yes, okay. And and Jay, uh, Jay, Jay, not knowing that's what they that what it was being sent out as. Uh, I do remember him mentioning mentioning something about being the clit commander. He is the yes, clit commander. He is the clit commander. Um, <laughs> I have no context for my memory of that. I just remember him yelling, "I am the clit commander." Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you know, in in Jay's defense, he was doing it because he thought he was doing it in defending apes well no no when he was doing the click commander the- thing it was there's was like uh we're doing it there he was he was lied to and told they were doing a uh, a video for uh a human sexuality class and they wanted to ask oh, him right, about right, the right. Click. and then he was that's when he declared himself the click commander and where you see you know clit you'll see his face and 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 then he goes demonstrating well, some of his motions <laughs> yes that that nose rubbing 
For those in the podcast audience, I have tented my fingers together and I'm rubbing them with the bridge of my nose. Um, so, so the boys find themselves on the uh, no-fly list mm-hmm. uh, and have to, to find their way across where they are. Uh, well, they then discover the concept of ride-sharing. Yes, um, with the Ride Me app. The Ride Me app, and we have a lengthy sequence with the always delightful Fred Armisen as their driver. I just want to circle back on the, the, the airport scene. Uh, Molly Shannon, as the, Molly Shannon. S- as the Southwest Airlines uh, counter... Was it actually specifically Southwest? Yes, behind her. Hmm. Because those were the ones that that we ended up yeah. with the problem with with yeah. Kevin flying. Yeah, that was the oh, that was the re- yes. yeah. Oh right. Yeah. yeah, right, right, yeah. So yeah, which you know, I have to say, kudos to him. Even in terrible things like that, the man leans into it mm-hmm. and still makes something successful out of it oh. with too fat to fly. Oh, I I I, I, pr- I exceptionally love was. Jay's defense of the now rather slimmed down <laughs> Silent Bob. He's now snapback. And and of course, um, in that scene, Molly Shannon declaring they cannot ride the plane because of a weight problem. And they get very incensed mm-hmm. by this. And then she turns around a sign that is spelled W-A-I-T. Yes. Little, little uh, homonym, homonym phone. I, I enjoy a word joke. Um, so yeah, then then later on they get the ride share. Uh, we have a, a cameo by Kevin's podcasting brother uh, Ralph Garman as the uh, as Ted Underhill, the angry uh, uh, business traveler. It looks to be um, that they they steal his credit card for the ride share app, <laughs> and uh, then we get we get we get some times with Fred Armisen, which as you said, he is almost always funny. Always fun. Always fun. Uh, I liked the idea. First of all, I like the idea of having some sort of oven in the car for uh, <laughs> what even baking some tater tots. Hater tots. Hater tots. Sorry, Hater it means tots. something different to everyone. Yes, it does. Um, and 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 then you know what's interesting is uh, the the movies where where problems occur is in Chicago. And if only they had waited a year later, Illinois has allowed recreational marijuana. So, well, then the joke would not have landed. Although I don't know if you're allowed to just like be openly smoking it out <laughs> in, in the a, parking lot of a, a movies. Yeah, probably not. I mean, so they visit a movies, and Fred Armisen is uh, promptly arrested yes. for having the first joint as in his entire life. Yes, which he had never tried because he was afraid he would be promptly arrested. Yes. Uh, they're yeah. stranded in Chicago. Some um, really fun cameos there. Yeah, very fun cameos, uh, including Jennifer Swabach. And uh, the lovely and delightful Kate Micucci. Yeah, of uh, Garfunkel and... And Oates. Uh, mm-hmm. And Oates. Um, and, and Jennifer Swabach plays the, uh, the, the movie's manager. <laughs> she uh, gets to make out with her husband in the movie. <laughs> yep. Um... So uh, now stranded in uh, in Chicago, <laughs> while, while Jay while while in the movies, Jay sees uh, watching a uh, watching local news sees his, his his former flame Justice, uh, one of the uh, very attractive cat burglars from uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, the one who ends up turning herself in and turning in the group and 
all of that good stuff and you're still kind of like why why jay come on (laughs) (laughs) and so he finds our intrepid heroes find ourselves on her doorstep which kind of i I just was one like that that was one of those parts of my head was like how did they find where she lives like of all of the movies to be overthinking right this really? is not it. This, this is just why I was like, how'd they, find, how'd they find where she lives? It's fine. There's pro- If you ask, you know what? Next time we're at a Q&A, one of us is going to stand up in line, and we're going to ask Evan that question, and then he's going to tell us for the next hour and a half how that happened and how he wrote it, and then it got cut. More than likely. <laughs> More likely. <laughs> or maybe it's in the Delia seats that are available on the video on demand and or Blu-ray or whatever. Which this is not sponsored, but you should probably buy it. Just sure, saying. I agree. Um, finds the doorstep um, where they are promptly knocked out by a masked assailant. Bum 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 bum. Uh, waking up, they find themselves uh, bound, um, but but justice frees them and informs Jay that uh, she has it. They had a child. They had a love child, who is now eighteen. And uh, I know you're doing some mental math right now, dear listener. <laughs> and uh, they, they, you know, uh, he gets to meet her, but he is he is sworn not to reveal that he is indeed her father. Enter Miss Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> playing the role as Millennium Falcon. Yes, I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, and uh, Millie has a friend uh, who is hard of hearing. Um, I, I, she has some of the best lines in the movie. I will just say that, like some of her, some of her, her snaps are just brilliant. Um, no, Millie or the friend? The friend. Uh, <laughs> yes. Soapy. Yes. Um, but yeah. She has. Uh, I I did enjoy the the backstory that she lives on a commune in Oregon, Oregon, uh, full of full of folks who are deaf who grow the best weed on the West Coast. Uh so a a well played uh joke of the concept and of of sequels and reboots and remakes um in in the movie as they talk about how. In this generation, um, a reboot is basically just the original movie, but we're adding diversity. Youth and diversity. Youth and diversity. Um, And they make light of it in a very, very good, positive way. Um, And to see them include not only um, people of color, um, just a myriad of different different people of different backgrounds, but then something that I feel like you just don't see included very often is to have the, the character of, of Sophie and, 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 and Millie communicating back and forth through ASL, um, through the entirety of the movie. And, uh, you know, for, for me currently in the process of taking my second semester of ASL, um, it, it was so refreshing to see. It's so nice to see some of the, the inclusion that we see less of. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad in general that we are seeing more in- inclusiveness of, of, uh, you know, not only of people of different ethnicities and major, major roles in major films, but, you know, people of different, uh, gender backgrounds, sexual backgrounds, um, sexual preferential backgrounds, um, 
and all of these things, you know, being different things and being such spectrums of things. And and I'm glad, and I'm glad we see so much more of that, you know, but because of the nature of we can only put so many things in a movie, you know, there are things that fall by the wayside. So it was so nice to see ASL get some attention in the deaf community, get attention. It's nice to see disability um, being shown and not in the... Uh, not in the the fetishization, not in the uh, the the you know. Oh, they're overcoming their disability. Yeah, to... yeah. It was totally normalized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was normalized. It was you know, this is just who she is. It's not a disability. You know? She's just a different person. And and in fact, later in the film, her her hearing issue uh, protects her from the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, 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 it's a nice take on it. There was none of that, you know, like they do with, they like to do with, you know, whenever you have somebody who is visually impaired, like, oh, the other senses are heightened and, you know, even though, even though science has proven that's not a thing. Not a thing. And it was just, this is a person who is deaf and And she has a friend who has learned to communicate with her and that's beautiful and. Absolutely. And, and, and for those, uh, who are hearing pizza ASL that is American sign language. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, Pete and, and, and you know, having, you're now in your second semester taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know you have expressed at times that you really feel that, that American sign language should be something that is offered for, you know, like, like in public schools where you can take Spanish and French and German. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you had mentioned that. I haven't even really had a chance to have this conversation with you. But um, I am in the process right now of, of getting ready to transfer um, my, my, my higher ed um, from one school to another. And I, for the first time, had had to have a conversation with somebody about the fact that the school that I am headed towards may actually not accept my ASL credits as a foreign language. Um, and that is a little problematic to me. That's awful. I'm going to follow it up. This is, it's still early in the process. I'm going to have to have some conversations with some people. Um, so more to follow on that. I'll keep you posted. But, um, that was very startling to me. Uh, I can absolutely tell you if I knew that beforehand, I would not change a thing. Um, other than maybe also taking an additional language like Spanish or French, but I would not not take ASL. I have been so happy to have taken ASL. I'm looking forward to continuing, um, with it. And, and, um, it hasn't just been a class. Like I have been learning more about the community as a whole, the deaf community as a whole and, and becoming part of that community and bridging, you know the the divide mm-hmm. um, between the hearing community and and the 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 deaf and, and hard of hearing community. Um, so again, like to see that representation in in uh, in a motion picture is is so encouraging, and to see it like you said, like not fetishized, completely treated as some people use ASL, some people are deaf, and that, that doesn't change anything and doesn't make her any more or less capable of anything. Uh, than anybody else, you know, that does not make one person normal and her not normal. That's not a thing. She is just, she just communicates through a fashion other than hearing and, and speaking. What what I also liked, um, and I don't know if, if anyone else noticed it, but um, she's visibly wearing hearing aids. I did not notice yeah. that. Um, yeah. I, and I noticed that because um, hearing loss is something that uh, my family uh 
has in it and and I've seen pictures of my grandfather and my great grandfather wearing various hearing aids mm-hmm. um, and you know we, if you watch any amount of of you know standard television there you know at some point especially if like daytime television there are ads for you know trying to hide or you know hearing aids that are you know almost invisible to yeah and that she's wearing you know mm-hmm. standard you can see hearing aid again goes to the normalizing and and, yeah. and mainstreaming that um, I think is is shouldn't we shouldn't have to be calling out what a good job Kevin Smith is doing with it because it should be part of the landscape because that's part of of, of who we are but well, the I, landscape of the world we live in yeah yeah yep um but we will call out how pleased we are yes, with, absolutely. Uh, with absolutely. Kevin on that and uh you know, because that does, this is the step that makes this part of the normalcy of film and representation. And and they went with an actual actress who is, mm-hmm. you know, hard of hearing. They didn't go with, you know, a a someone who doesn't have a hearing issue yeah. playing deaf. Yeah. Um, and I think my first question to you, um, either when we got back to the room or maybe when we were, we were leaving the theater was, you know, how, how accurate was the ASL? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I'm a second semester student, but I, I, according to the book, I'm an intermediate level student. I'm up to about a thousand signs and grammar and syntax. Okay, I'm going to give you a geek that. point on that one. Oh, there. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, and I will tell you that I am, everything I saw was spot on. Um, I was, I was pleased with myself <laughs> that I, there were a few times where I was like, yes, I understood every bit of that without having to have, uh, captions, which they did subtitle, uh, one or two of, of her lines and everything else was just, um, interpreted, mm-hmm. um, by, by Millie, uh, by Harley, uh, Smith's character. Um, but I was, I was very pleased with myself to understand a good portion of it without needing, uh, help. And no, yeah, that was it was definitely 100% legitimate ASL. It wasn't just like, well, we're going to fake it close enough because we're mainstreaming the audience, you know, like we're just no, going to throw was, up fingers and Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's been a th- hell, that's been a thing that supposed quote unquote actual interpreters have done on TV during national emergencies that came under fire. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. It was um Oh yeah 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 during yeah. The, the hurricanes in Puerto Rico they had yes. some interpreters who yeah. were in fact not licensed interpreters and um yeah that was that was not sign language that they were doing. Um Oh that is terrible. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Were the subtitles accurate to what they were saying? Yes, definitely, definitely. Nothing is more frustrating than when the subtitles don't match. And, you know, the funny thing <laughs> is, um, like with any language that you are translating from one language to another, it's oftentimes not word for word, but well, yeah, because ideological and, and, and whatnot, yeah, conceptual right? and stuff. And, yeah, no, definitely, like, a, a lot of it was, was very simplified sentences. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But there were definitely some times where it was like a little bit frantic as the the movie was going on, and it was like, yeah, that's just a much more exaggerated, um, yeah. But it was it was very it was very on point. Good. Yeah. Not yeah, that I am great. any kind of pro, but from the little that I know as a 
<laughs> this is, I feel like I'm like the uh, high school French guy who's like, oh, I went and saw a foreign film and it was magnifique. Well, I mean, well, you're I, the only reference we have. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? for for that, I mean, I I know when you know I, I took four years of Russian in high school, and uh, when when Russian when whenever Russian speakers are on. You know, I, I, I try to, but um, you do find like idiomatic expressions get get lost sometimes mm-hmm. in in being translated. So. Sure. Yeah. There was there was a point during one of the Lord of the Rings movies where the Elvis translation was like way off from what they actually yeah. said. And I got really mad. And then I was like, <laughs> Kayla, it's made up language. That's definitely a geek point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. So so skipping forward, the the. Uh, the <laughs> Millian Soapy uh, kidnap, uh, forcefully hijack, forcefully <laughs> borrow uh, without consent. Uh, get, get Jay and Silent Bob involved in their quest to go to Chronicon. The Jay and Silent Bob, uh, the, the the Blunt Man and Chronic inspired uh, pop culture convention. What I would like to know is why is this not a thing yet? Oh, I, I imagine that's coming. I feel almost certainly there is a Chronic Con somewhere. It's... Because if it happens, I want to go. Mm. Um, they they once again use the Ride Me app. Uh, Jay finds out that his his daughter is uh, she's a bit of a badass. Um, also a, a, a enjoyer of of marijuana. Uh, Apple didn't fall far from the tree. Huh? No, no, and uh, and and and. She doses him with uh, a, a chocolate edible uh, to the point where he and he and Jay and Silent Bob uh, see uh, um, <laughs> shared hallucination. Yeah, shared hallucination. They go to another place. Yeah. They go to a place where they see the stoner uh, version of the Speed Force. <laughs> they see uh, Method Man and Red Man. Method Man and Red Man mm-hmm. uh, from How High, Jay's favorite movie, <laughs> and have a discussion about what it means to be a dad. So I, I just want to, I just want to say this very clearly. I going into it. Like I am familiar with Kevin Smith's body of work. And I know that when we're going into a movie that's headlined, uh, titularly headlined by Jay and silent Bob, I basically know what I'm getting in for. And that's fine. I was startled by how, important and touching and mature um which is a very difficult word uh to use <laughs> in the context of a movie that also features you know a character named Cockknocker um but thematically like he has grown up as a person absolutely kevin smith's journey through life shows in this movie oh, is it absolutely. ridiculous like yes of course it's ridiculous at times i'm like what am what am I even watching? Fred Armisen just pulled tater tots out of a glove box mounted oven. Um, what, uh, sir? I think you're seeing what the future of automotive travel <laughs> should involve. God, I hope so. Um, I think I know a few Rennies that have that. But as a as a as a father, this movie was shocking to me. How touching and moving it was, telling the story of. Jay, of all people, learning the difference between fathering a child and being a father, or yeah. as they put it, the different in the movie between being a father and being a dad. Yeah, um, and I and I think um, I'm an avid fan of the Jay and Silent Bob Get Old show, uh, podcast, 
And that is something that as a listener of that, that is tied to the real life Jason Mewes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as Jason, and we talked about last week a little bit, like, you know, Jason has had a very rough patch of things uh, through his life. You know, he has battled uh, opioid and, and heroin uh, addictions um, and finally was able to get his life together. He got married, uh, bought a house um, and became a father. And, you know, as Kevin said tonight and as Kevin sa- has said on multiple occasions, Jason Muse is the best father that he has ever known. That includes himself as a father and it includes his own father. Um, and just from listening to the podcast, I mean, you realize how much of Jason's world now revolves around the raising of his daughter. Um, and And to see, in some ways to me, it's like, this movie was a love letter from Kevin to Jason saying, I see you, brother. I see how you've grown. I see who you are, you are becoming, and I love you. Absolutely. That's very well, very, very well said. Mm-hmm. And and I'll give you a key point for that. It's That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is in that, though, is by sharing that story, even though, sure, it is in a lot of ways, very specific to the relationship both between Kevin and, and Jason and Jason and his daughter. And um, But in, in, the, in the bigger scope, because Kevin Smith is so good at being relatable to people, of being a guy that we kind of all get what it's like to be that guy, um, it's a story that speaks to everybody who is... Or is in the process of going through being a father and, and learning what it is and learning that, man, like, oh, my God, I'm such a fuck up. Um, and every day it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and you're just it's it's the ultimate like on the job training. Um, and you you realize going through the process of it that it is the most important job you will ever go through in your life that you are also equally the least qualified to do because you have no goddamn idea how to do it. Yep. Um, for some of us, um, we have had the, the good fortune of having a good example of a, of a, of a strong father figure in our own lives. Um, for me, that's the case. Um, but I know that that's not the case for everyone. And, um, that's why I think I was so shocked and startled by how deep it got as the movie mm-hmm. went on. Um, and it never stops being ridiculous and it never stops being funny, which is an important part of the balancing act of it. But it, <laughs> when he came out before the film started playing, he, he commented about how this is going to surprise you, but by the end of it, there, there's going to be some tears. Uh-huh. And I definitely was like, okay. <laughs> All right, bro, not me. Not this guy. Um, Little did you know. I mean, I hope you guys were both looking the other way because there were definitely tears by the end of it. That's okay. We were, we were in the same boat. Yeah. This is the second time we saw I mean, it. This is the we second time we've seen it. Yeah. And it. we're still... still. Yeah. I, and I, I think actually different parts hit me the second time seeing it. There were different parts of it where I, where mm-hmm. I was like, it, it, it took my breath. It, 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 it brought a tear. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely... Um, you know, it definitely, there is a depth to it that, uh, maybe previous works were, were missing or previous works of his were, you know, 
there was a depth, but it wasn't quite that deep. Mm-hmm. I think I think the depth that he went to in this one uh, far exceeds the depth he's gone previously yeah. uh, in his work. Yeah. So give a kudos to that. Absolutely. For, for, for st- crafting both a message and still dick and fart jokes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that really. is a balance. It's hard to balance those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, we, 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 cut forward a bit uh they are now joined uh, uh, millions and and sophie are now joined by uh their friends jihad and uh shen yu shen yu um and and the story is is that shen yu uh is a huge fan of blunt man and chronic she does a uh she is a uh student on a visa whose visa expires, and so they're trying to get her to Chronicon so that she can be in the Jane, uh, the the Blunt Man and Chronic reboot. Uh, Blunt Man v. Chronic. V- Blunt Chronic. Man v. Chronic. Uh, <laughs> and um, so they, they uh, you know, th- then becomes, you know, again, they add do the cross-country challenge. I love the homage to Cannonball Run. Uh-huh. Uh, with with Operation uh, Predator Editor. <laughs> um, anytime you can, uh, Captain Chaos, uh, Dom DeLuise's character from Cannonball Run can be referenced. I'm a happy boy who grew up in the 80s watching Cannonball Run, Cannonball Run 2, uh, and uh, all those, those Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise movies, which are terrible. They are so problematic if you were to watch them today, but they were humorous back in the day. Um. Uh, so so again, there there is a part where it feels like something got cut with how the how the girls ended up at the clan rally thing. There's a very strange sequence in there where yes, they end up kidnapped by the Ku Klux Klan in Arizona. Yes, uh, the Ku Klux and this group of Ku Klux Klan is uh, led by uh, AEW heavyweight champion Chris Jericho. Le champion, as he likes to be called now. I I don't even know what to say in commentary to this. It was. Uh, it's I, one of those scenes that you kind of just got to go. Just watch the movie. Like you can't even just watch the movie. Um. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because uh, um, um, Kevin had tweeted out you know about Chris Jericho being in it. Um, Chris Jericho also famous for his metal band Fozzie. Um, which you should, if, if you have not heard any of the Fozzie's music, I definitely would uh, say give it a listen. Uh, I'm going to give you a geek point for that. <laughs> uh, his, his, especially his song uh, uh, Judas. is It's really good. Um, and of course, they're going to enjoy later on Hater Tots. After the rally. They're going something to different to everyone. Yes. Um, but, but Jay and Silent Bob are there for the rescue. Um it's an interesting rescue. I, I don't want to spoil it. It's yeah. just... It's an odd sequence, the it whole is. thing. Just uh, watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so we move on. They make it to Chronicon. Well, I, I, I want to skip over the... Oh, um, I'm sorry. I forget something. There is... Uh, they, they have made it to Hollywood. The girls see the Hollywood sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Millie confesses to Jay that her biggest desire in life is right, to enjoy a cup of coffee with her dad while he tells her dad stuff. Um, and well, that's how the girls all met. Yeah. The girls all met on a like site for girls who are, uh, children without 
fathers, without dads. Um, but she she's specifically talking about, you know, the dreams that they all have. And hers is to, you know, enjoy a cup of coffee with her dad. And Jay's right there. Uh, not telling her that he he's is her, her dad. Not telling her that he's their dad. Um, and, and even at times, um, you know, he, he will later on, you know, say, oh, well, I knew your dad. And, you know, he was an asshole or whatever. And it was like, I can, I, there was a realness in that. There yeah. was a, like, that's something that only like, uh, uh, you know, a, a caring parent would, would do is like, you know, trying to keep that promise, you know, and trying to assuage the, the, the child's desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that part hit me more this time, I think, than it did when I saw it the first time. Mm. Um, then they get to Chronicon. Uh, <laughs> uh, the merch guy, uh, Adam Brody, I believe, from uh, formerly like, like of OC fame, I believe, was the salesman. Yeah, I I didn't recognize him. Uh, like everyone else in the theater knew who he was. I never watched the OC. I saw it peripherally. My mother had a thing for those nine hundred two one zero. Any of those shows where the kids live in beautiful Southern California. <laughs> That's why I didn't know who he was. Um, he's been in some other things, but like that was his peak, I really think. And then everything is kind of... I can't really tell you what he's done be, uh, very much outside of that. Um, but uh, the kids start... Kind, you, you notice the, the girls start putting together that, you know, Jay and Silent... Oh, sorry. Mr. Underhill and Mr. Taint. <laughs> Their cover identities. Their cover identities vaguely appear to be wearing the same clothing as everyone at Chronicon. Everyone at Chronicon, and they aren't doing it in a cosplay manner. It's not ironic. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Chris Hemsworth cameo. Oh my god, that was so good. That was cute. <laughs> and, and you know, re- reality-wise. He would have to put out all those disclosures about what not to do to the hologram. Yeah, because there would definitely be uh, a lot of humping, a lot of a lot of attempted humpings or mm-hmm. filleting. Yes, um, which I th- I do think it was an interesting callback to earlier on when the when when Jihad and and Millie are are telling uh, Jay their lusts for for Chris Hemsworth their body lust. Oh, <laughs> it's body. <laughs> um. At Chronicon, uh, basically anybody who has appeared in any of the Viewskew movies uh, is 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 featured in some way. Sneaks in there at least for a quick second. Yeah, there are all sorts yeah. of cameos, Easter eggs, crazy things. There are going to be people when this is more widely on DVD and whatnot. There's going to be whole like videos and sites on just those scenes. There was so much in the background. Uh, it was insane. What what I find especially interesting is Kevin puts himself into the VSQ universe. Um, he puts himself. He puts the comic book man. He puts clerks. He puts it. So it's a real um, it's a real twisting, interesting. Viewskew Inception. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely. Um, well, I did thoroughly enjoy the the Prince and the Popperness of uh, Silent Bob being confronted by Kevin Smith, and even they realizing, oh, we we look very similar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I think it was at one point Millie, you know, turns 
Silent Bob's face and, she, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Jay's like, well, they're different, though, because that guy wears jorts. <laughs> and Silent Bob would never wear jorts. <laughs> um, for, for those who are, who are too young, jorts is a uh, portmanteau of jean shorts. What are you talking about? What? Wait, people are too sh- too too young for that? Is that's not a, a thing anymore? Because I literally was wearing jorts earlier today. Jan France talks about it in one of his dressing funnies. I think actually with Fluffy, with uh, if I'm not Gabriel mistaken, Iglesias. with Gabriel Iglesias, Leave he talks George about alone. the George situation. Uh, I'm going to give you a a, a Tan France uh, fashion geek point on that one. <laughs> um, so. Shenanigans occurs at Comic-Con, uh, Chronicon, sorry, Chronicon. Um, we have uh, a, a awesome cameo, uh, an awesome scene, I don't want to call it cameo, an awesome scene with uh, Joey Lauren Adams and Ben Affleck and Jay and Silent Bob, uh, where you kind of get caught up on what happened to them at post Chasing Amy, um, where we are introduced, where, where young Logan Muse makes her screen debut. She's the cutest little thing. Um, I, I can only imagine how hard it was for Jay to stay in character and doing his stuff and not just doing whatever he could to distract and, and, and keep, uh, young Logan, you know, on task for, for, for shooting. It oh, was, there's some awesome cutscenes yeah, from that that I've seen is. flying around the yeah. internet. Um, I do like how they, they unfold the story that post what we saw in Chasing Amy, that, that you know uh, that Alyssa and Holden go their own ways. Uh, Alyssa ends up marrying uh, the the woman who was sitting next to her at the end of Chasing Amy, um, and then when they decide they want to have a baby, they contact Holden to to be the father. Um, there was just something very beautiful and very realistic and very human about it. Yeah, I cool. thought that was outstanding. Um, it was so well done. And Ben Affleck's monologue about. The, about the change that occurs when you become a father. Um, I, I especially like the line, uh, you have no third act. You now become the stage for your child to star on. I agree. That, that so hit well me so hard as a parent. That really is like, that is one of the most beautiful and simple descriptions of what it is to be a parent. I mean, you become the stage. For me, it really brought me back to um, that line that I've mentioned before that I love from from The Last Jedi uh, when Yoda tells Luke that's the burden of masters is is we are what they must overcome. Yes. Um, And and, and then to follow that up with Jay, because the point of the thing was they wanted to crash the movie so they get their names back. And Jay says... I have a new name. My name is Dad, and that's the only name I'll, I'll ever need. Um, right in the feels. Yeah. Right, square, feels, status, destroyed. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and at that point, they make, you know, Jay and Sam Bob make the, idea, make the decision that they are not going to destroy. Uh, they're not going to, to uh, interrupt the movie. They are going to help make sure that the girls get into the movie. Um, so they're able to get passes from Holden, who is there as a VIP, um, and they get them into uh, the, the main hall to get a, get to see a clip of Chronic V Bluntman or Bluntman V Chronic, um, and, uh, and and Kevin Smith is there to introduce it as he does many things all the time. <laughs> 
talking in front of a bunch of people. I have to say, and, and again, every once in a while I have to interject my little, I'm a girl and occasionally drool over a boy. He, that scene, oh my God, he looked so good in the, in that, that particular scene. Like he was, that was hot, Kevin. Like that was really cool to see. It appears he was wearing the same purple jacket that he was wearing in the in the clip that he was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't have the hat on. Yeah, he he didn't have the hat on in the uh, in in the movie where he did tonight. Um, and then they showed a clip, and in the clip, uh, Chronic is played by uh, Melissa Benoist, mm-hmm. uh, who is of course CW Supergirl. Uh, Batman is or Bluntman is played by Val Kilmer, um, and and interesting enough, uh, Kevin has outlined how Val Kilmer came into the movie. Um, Val Kilmer heard that Kevin was in New Orleans shooting, and Val Kilmer was going to be in New Orleans uh, exhibiting some of his artwork. Uh, not sure if you're aware, but uh, Val Kilmer has become a bit of a painter. I did not know that. Um, however, Val Kilmer has been dealing with throat cancer. I did not know that either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why his face uh, looks as it does. That he's gone through treatment. Oh, wow. Um, and has had to have uh, like a tracheotomy. I uh, did not know that. And so when he contacted Kevin, uh, he contacted me like, hey, I'm going to be in New Orleans. Can I be in the movie? And Kevin's like, a Batman wants to be in the movie. I was going to say, I really feel like Val Kilmer just can't resist a cape and cow. Um, <laughs> and so Kevin's like, yeah. He said, the only problem, here's the only thing is, I don't know if you're aware of, I've had health issues. I really can't talk right now. I can't talk. Um, and Kevin's like, I have the perfect role for you. You will be Blunt Man. You'll be our version of Batman. And um, so that the suit also covers up. Um, if you see any pictures of Val Kilmer lately, he is often wearing a scarf or whatever around his neck to hide hmm. Uh, either either the ostia or whatever it is he's got going on or yeah. the scars from. Yeah. Um, so one, uh, just on behalf of all, is hoping that Belkimer has a, a recovery from what is ailing him and is able to return for sure. as much of a full life as he can. Um, and two, how awesome, again, how awesome did Kevin Smith to find a way to fit a legendary actor le- you know, and a Batman um, into into this um and then uh and so giving him the blunt man role as blunt man's modeled off for silent bob he doesn't talk he talk and and the new thing is he talks through emojis on his phone um it was a nice touch by the way he he regularly uh both in the form of silent bob and then again as as val kilmer's blunt man will pull out his phone and appear to be typing a very very lengthy message and then turn the phone in, uh, around to show that it's it's just a singular emoji. Yeah. Um, and, and then an Alfred-esque character is played by the legendary Tommy Chong. That was awesome to see him in there. So something Kevin did uh, mention on one of his other podcasts, or, or I forget where I saw it, but he basically said that scene, those three actors, was not shot. They were not together ever. Honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> nope. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. The Melissa shot hers when she was able to come down from Vancouver. Yeah. Where she shoots Supergirl. She was able to come down, shoot it. Uh. Val Kilmer came in the one day, came down, shot it. Uh. Tommy Chong came in, shot it. Um. And it's just edited together. So you know, a- almost all the background is is green screen, so they could mm-hmm. just yeah. 
put in whatever need behind it. But yeah, they were the three actors were never on set together. Oh, that's wow, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. That's a geek, geek point. point. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and and the clip ends with the ominous, over large fist of Cockknocker breaking into the Blunt Cave. Um, so, uh, and then they pick up with then what whatever. But they're going to shoot the 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 the, the scene uh, for the movie. Kevin disappears. Kevin goes into the back to uh, indulge his marijuana habit, which uh, he is now legendarily famous for. Um, they have the J. They they do a nice uh, J and uh, Silent Bob and and Kevin Smith uh, mirror routine, a la uh, Lucy and uh, Harpo Marx. That was very cute. Um, <laughs> And I love the the chokehold, the the Millie chokehold with the sleep, sleep, sleep. Oh my god! Every time she goes sleep, 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 I died. It was so funny. Um. Uh. The uh. They they replace Kevin with Silent Bob, who feigns that he no longer has. He's lost his voice. Um. And and they bring up the girls on stage, where then. The, twist. The twist occurs, and uh, I keep blanking on her name. Shen Yu. Shen Yu. Uh, Shen Yu uh, reveals that she is indeed not a Chinese, a student of uh, from China here on a visa, but she is indeed a Russian agent here to kill Kevin Smith, and that the Cockknocker Commandos... <laughs> Sorry, the Cockknocker Cock Commandos. I don't even want to explain that. I just want to leave that yes. for people to go and are, figure out what that is. Are somehow in league with her, and uh, she is here to kill Kevin Smith and 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 destroy American pop culture. Um, because she is going to specifically execute him while everybody films it, it with their phones. Right, which everyone obliges by holding up their phones to film. Uh, they can't help themselves. Eh, um... You know, we completely jumped over not to derail you, but um, Justice is remarried. Yes. Just, well, is married. Is married. Uh, uh, oh, to- yes. She's married to Reggie Falcon, uh-huh. played by oh yes, Rosario Dawson. The very beautiful Rosario Dawson. Yes. I read somewhere that they had like a day to shoot yeah. that. That whole that, sequence. That actually seems to be pretty much how Kevin shot a lot of this movie was pe- get people were able, people came down to New Orleans, which he said that helped in getting the people down to shoot um, by just going because they were shooting around the same time as like Mardi Gras. Um, so to be able to like, hey, we're in New Orleans. We're shooting a movie. You want to come down for a day? Um, guess that's not a hard sell. <laughs> it was interesting to me, too, that that. I mean, I don't know if it was the case for most people, but at least when he was talking about getting uh, Ben Affleck to come down, it was on Ben Affleck's own dime, from what he said, that he flew down. I think I think a lot of folks, uh, same thing, I think Dave Mandel was the same way, yeah. um, who reprised his role as coffee drinking man. <laughs> Two-fisted coffee drinking man. <laughs> like you do. Um, so yeah, no, uh, he was able to get folks to come down, uh, I guess some on their own time, so maybe I guess maybe they paid for but what do you say? His the movie's budget was like eight to ten million dollars. Yeah, with the, about with like the that. tax credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, it was a ten million dollar budget, but they got a twenty percent tax credit from yeah. uh, the state of Louisiana. Yeah. Um, so uh, what? Uh, Silent Bob is found out not to be Kevin Smith, and is uh, pitched into the trash, where he sees a 
luckily placed nearby salvage yard and a suit, a, a, a metal suit, um, and, for, and, and is able to get in and become Iron Bob. Iron Bob. Because at this point, logic is just right out the window. Was there ever logic? No. Really? No. no. Um, and then we basically get a good superhero fight scene. I mean, unless unless you're Joe. Joe wanted to know uh, why. How, how they're able to find the address of a yeah, local that was, weather that person. Was Keep important. trying to put logic into this. Why? Um, and then I like, uh, as, as the fight scene, as, as the, the battle is turning for, for the heroes, camera goes on to Kevin Smith, and he is like, you know... I got, I got this story told, I got this story told, so now just fade to black, and you get the uh, denouement, uh, where where they're out front of the quick stop and former RST, former cock smokers, <laughs> um, and, and he, is, uh, he is there with Millie, and he is taking up his usual position, leaning against the wall, um, so Bob shows up to hand over coffee, uh, and... They start sharing some life, some beautiful life life lessons. What and a sweet scene! Yeah, that scene. I, 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 when I remember watching it in the first first time, it hit me. But, um, and I'm gonna be mushy here. Seeing the movie with you two, um, I've got that friend, those friends, <laughs> um, that he's talking about. Friends who will listen. Uh, you know, even when you aren't making sense. Um, and and so it hit me hard tonight. Um, I had that exact same thought. Are you guys saying you would prefer me if I only communicated through singular emojis? No. <laughs> no, no. Um, you can use two or three. Okay, good. Uh, and it was just beautiful. And then I, I do love, though, the the final of, for the last 25 years, we've been coming here at night and jamming gum into the, into the locks. Um, so anybody who has seen Clerks, uh, you now know who those savages are. It, it it was such a good scene too to end with that because it really just brings everything that he has done full circle and uh, you know both both visually and and also you know like like you were saying in 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 the conversations that he had earlier on with with Ben Affleck playing um Holden Holden um that's the cycle of life that's what it is, is his life is a cycle. And he has created this loop here where, you know, he's, he's closing the circle back to the beginning. And we see, um, um, Dante, Dante coming back to, 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 uh, to the, to the quick stop. Yep. Although, although now it's the quick stop that Dante and Randall own. Right. Uh, but I mean, there's no conversation about yeah. that. You know, we, yeah, no. we just see him like pulling up in the car and walking up front. And there's Jay and Silent Bob leaning against the wall, now joined by, by Millie. Millie Falcon. Um, and, you know, it, it visually brings Absolutely. everything he's done full circle. And his journey, um, Kevin's, as 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 a, a, a person who is maturing and this whole theme of... of how as fathers we are passing legacies on for our children. We don't get a third act. Like, like he said, like you, you know, you so well uh, brought, brought up again that, you know, our, our third act is, is their life. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it was really, it was just a really amazing visual cycle. Yeah. Um, 
if you when you finish the movie, uh, I will not say there there isn't a post credit scene. It is a entire damn credits. Um, it's I wouldn't call. I mean, it's not quite bloopers. Um, they're just I would call them alts. Alts, if anything. Um, and and for those of us uh, of the South Florida persuasion. I love the what was like three in a row Running Hollywood Florida of, joke. Yeah, Hollywood Florida is thrown in there. Oh <laughs> man, I would that. How sweet would that have been if that had made it into like the actual cut of the film? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but uh, yeah, there there were a lot of stuff in the cuts that were just, um, just very very funny stuff. Um, I'm glad that it got included there, and it wasn't something that got saved for a gag reel, deleted scene reel, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Although that still means though you should probably buy the the Blu-ray if you get a chance. Or oh, I'm the sure there's much download. much more. Go ahead and do yourself a favor and do that. Um, so after the credits run, um, there is a, at the end of the credits there is a tribute to Stan Lee. Oh, that was good too. That well, was really good. Um, and and to recognize the relationship that Kevin had with Stan Lee is incredible. And in fact. During the Q&A later on, after the movie, uh, Kevin went a bit on and uh, wow, Um, you know, uh, he's just, it's one of those things where you think about, like, you often think like Stanley was Stan Lee, but really he was Stanley Lieber as well. And, and, and to realize the guy we think we know is, was really the, the sales face of Marvel Comics and than Stanley general the mask we all wear yeah um but it was a beautiful uh, how he spoke about him during the Q&A was just beautiful tribute to Stanley and uh you know and I was glad he put that something in there and 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 to know that there was a plan to have Stan in the movie um and and then later uh Kevin revealed just how big it was a significant role role. he was gonna have and how awesome that would have been uh, yeah, for those who, who um, you know, are not able to have caught the, the roadshow and, and are not able to hear the Q&A, uh, the original concept for the film was where towards the end at Chronicon, we had uh, Kevin Smith show up and, and then be the one that the Russians want to assassinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original concept was that it would, in fact, be uh, Stan Lee who uh, was the one showing up at Chronicon, who the Russians needed to take out because reasons. Um, And I I was also extra delighted by the fact that they, he expressed that in the original draft that they had written up, they try to escape with him while uh, the cock knocker, cock mandos um, are, are occupied and they get into a back hallway and, uh, that Stanley says, "Oh, I've I've got this, true believers," and touches his his glasses and uh, turns into Iron Man. Um, Iron then, Man plus Jedi, and then pulls out a lightsaber. And in Kevin Smith's words, he basically then proceeds to recreate the Darth Vader closing scene from Rogue One, uh, where he murders everybody in a hallway. And I'm like, "What? Oh, why didn't we? Oh, yeah, that would have really would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah." Um, plus, I mean, who doesn't love a hallway fight? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but the Q and A session afterwards. Um, well, apparently it was only supposed to be forty five minutes long, <laughs> and went well close to two hours. Yeah, uh, it was only what like 
four or five questions. I think he total. got five, maybe six total. Yeah, like if you're ever at a Kevin Smith Q&A and you're more than like the fifth or sixth person back, just sit down. It's not happening. It's, um, no. <laughs> the only thing I will say is, uh, so what was supposed to be the last question of the night kind of kind of fell flat. So he had to get another so, last. So, so Kevin called for one more question and, oh God, <laughs> that woman... That was the film student one, right? No, no, that was that was the girl arguing Amy with her one. sister. That was the chasing. <laughs> yeah, the chasing Amy one. Um, but like she screamed from like row seven or whatever, you know, <laughs> well, running she, down to. She uh, was the would have been next last person who was the first cut off person. Yeah, and uh, as soon as he called for a last last question, she immediately made sure that everybody knew that she would have been next and. Good on her. Yeah, and that was a great question, which you know I feel I feel a bit for for Kevin's tour manager. She was trying to keep him on some sort of schedule, timetable, something. I, I really, mean, to be honest, she kind of looked like she was used to this. Oh, I'm sure, like she. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really though have to say, and I was thinking about it at the time, how much I appreciate the generosity of him to give his time that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has allotted himself 45 minutes. Two hours later, he was still having trouble <laughs> yeah. calling it quits. Um, again, uh, being that I listen to, to, to a lot of his podcasts, um, there are times when they when they have recorded live shows and like all of a sudden he's like, you hear him was like, what? What time? Oh, we have. Oh, union rule says we have to be out of here. OK, guys, we have to wrap <laughs> this up. I'm sorry. You know, um, so. That's a that's a Kevin thing. I mean, he has. I mean, he he has on occasion um, challenged himself to see if he could fill up like the hour and a half allotted for his program on one question. <laughs> Pretty sure he's done it. Yeah, no, he did. Uh, uh, I think it was too fat to fly. The, the his 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 evening with Kevin Smith too fat for too fat to fly. Which folks, if you have not listened to those, I highly recommend yeah. them. Uh, any of the Kevin Smith uh, an evening with uh, any of those, uh, you should really take a take a watch, take a listen. Um, the in fact, I believe Showtime still has the uh, the comedy special he recorded. Um, so this is not so much a Q and A, but him doing comedy which is really just him telling stories um that was filmed before like you basically see him having the heart attack while he was on stage um because they were filming back to back because that's how you film specials and then you yeah yeah um and so he went back uh, at the end of the first first taping said he wasn't feeling good thought maybe he was having a cold whatever uh and then jordan and and uh Jennifer taking a look at him like you don't you're not you don't look good um and he was having a widowmaker heart attack Mm -hmm. um which you know that's a that's an 80 percent fatality uh heart attack he had 100 percent blockage in the I believe it's the LSD uh artery in the heart Mm -hmm. um so uh that he is still here and 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 putting on 90 120 minute Q&A's um, you know, working as, you know, 65 shows, 65 cities, 90 something shows, I think he said. Yeah, uh, I think it's ultimately going to be 67 cities because he's got two to go. Uh, well, we were 60, here with 65. No, we were 63. We're 60. Yeah, we're 63. Oh, was so that yeah, what it was? Yeah, we're 63, total. 65 oh, okay. total. 
but he at this point he this was 63rd city but because some cities they had done multiple shows it was right. like the 90 something um he's like and that doesn't include the five shows they did like the week of thanksgiving in london <laughs> um you know but i love what he said the reason he did it this way the re- is because you know when he was describing to that that theater that film student which oh my god you just got like a nice master class from kevin smith on yeah. film distribution as film Here's financing full lecture <laughs> um you know the way films are you distribute films and and you know help finance films you know as you sell these rights and those rights and then you can also get equity investors and kevin I, give him credit you know doesn't want someone to invest in his film and then have that person lose money um because in his feel his feeling is and rightly so if they invest in my film and they lose money, they're not going to invest in any other art again. Um, and so the reason he did the roadshow the way he did it is so that at the end of the thing, everyone's been paid back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it was awesome. Uh, I I mean, seriously, the Q&A was just funny, touching. Um, he brought Shecky out, which <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, Shecky is his uh, uh, doctrined, um, who is... Uh, if, if, was has been featured very often on on several of the podcasts uh for barking when they record from home um and and kevin often posts pictures on his instagram and twitter where he hikes runyon canyon walking shecky um as part of his uh you know helping keep himself in shape as well as his you know change to a completely plant-based diet you know it's really it's it's so good to see him Having gone through the the things that he's he's gone through, particularly with his health and, you know, not only the heart attack, but the weight issues and everything else. And to see a guy who is so happy with life, that is mm-hmm. so full of life, so vibrant and vivacious, uh, has such a passion to just be doing what he's doing. He's happy doing it. He's happy answering the people's questions. You can see that, like, when he has to say, like, I've been doing this for more than twice the allotted time I was supposed to have, he's not happy with the fact that, like, he can't just spend all night answering people's questions. I I completely believe that if time was not a factor, he would just stand there and just talk to people until every single person had 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 their chance. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, We've been going for a bit. Speaking of overtime. <laughs> yeah. Um, Speaking of overtime and being tired. Yeah. We, we, we drove up to Jacksonville from South Florida today. That's a, like a four and a half, five hour drive. <laughs> Time is currently 3.16 a.m. Shh. Ooh. Um, so. Y'all are going to have to carry me to the car tomorrow. <laughs> um, so let's let's go to the big board. The board. The big board. Pete. Pete with one geek point, and I feel like somehow we... I feel like we missed some stuff with Pete. It's okay. Like, you get profound, and you get, like, intelligent, and it just... I don't want to interrupt you. It's okay. I'm going to start just sneaking him in there every now and again. Uh, <laughs> I, I just Kayla'd it for tonight. I got, yeah. my, got my one point. I'm very content with it. I just, I'm, and, and, nothing and, is wrong. It's and, fine. And as much as we love Andy, it is good to have you on mic. It's nice to be back. It's a pleasure to be back. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to go back to another couple of months of, of, of me in absentia uh, until the uh, the spring semester comes to its close. But and that's okay because we're super proud of you. Yes. Oh, thank, you. Proud of you. thank you. Thank um, you. And, and if there's anything we can do in helping uh, 
letter writing, whatever we need to do to get uh, ASL counted as a foreign <laughs> language credit. <laughs> I'll let you, you know. Let us know, and we will let our, our listeners of the geekiest know because, dear God, that should count. We're going to start that hashtag ASL is a language. Uh, there you go. You know what? You know, that should go on the show. That will be on the show this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Kayla, you have three. Oh, three. Three geek points, and, and I have five. Congrats. I'm not. It's, it's, I, I tied last week, um, so uh, I, I will take my my winner's share. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D E M O R G U S. You can find anything about the podcast at the Geekiest Pod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, you can also find me as the DM of the Not Safe for Wizards Fifth Edition D and D Actual Play Podcast. Um, Words. At- yeah, and there are uh, there are things coming in the future uh, that we'll be announcing. Uh, so just keep an eye on any of our any of the Armor Bear Productions media. Kayla, where can I find you? <laughs> Dreamland. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, about ten feet away in that bed. Um, you can find me on Twitter at hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram at geekiest kayla which is kind of like my main hub of things and there's lots of fun pictures there uh of tonight and there will be more tomorrow when i'm a little bit more awake uh if you're in the south florida area and you want to check out our awesome fun little geeky thrift shop uh secondhand goddess is at 4148 dv road uh come and say hi um and uh what else? Did I miss anything? And you can find me playing Jade on the aforementioned Not Safe for Wizards. Wizards. <laughs> wizards. It's t- it's late, guys. Not Safe for Wizards. Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition Actual pe- Play Podcast. Words are tough. Yeah, Words English is hard, man. And uh, Pete? You can find me on the Twits. I am at the It's Just Pete. Um... I've been a little quiet on the Twitter lately. School has kept me very busy. You can find me on uh, Fridays uh, playing Orion on Not Safe for Wizards. Um, instead of finding me on The Geekiest on Thursdays, you can find me in a biology classroom um, for the foreseeable next couple of months. But let me go ahead and just highly recommend to you that you go ahead and you give some love to uh, Andy, who is is uh, sitting in my seat. While I am gone, uh, I adore him. I um, give all of my my praise to his filling in for me. Um, I I wouldn't have it any other way, and I'm glad he's I'm glad he's in the seat doing it, uh, and I appreciate him for that. Other than that, uh, questions, comments, etc., you can find me as geekiestpete at gmail.com. Um, you know, Please don't email him though if you're just trying to scam him. Uh, <laughs> We don't need to tell them. They're already sending me those emails, and that's fine. Whatever. It's fine. I like the attention. <laughs> uh, we're going to thank you for listening this week, and we'll be talking to you next week. Bye, Bye. you jerks. We love you. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be... Share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, That would definitely help us. Thanks for listening.
The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.